0: Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. So here we are. This is the last Sunday of the season of Epiphany, and I don't know about you, but I feel like I was just here for Christmas Uh, I remember Christmas Eve singing in Stuyvesant Square, and that doesn't feel that long ago. It kind of feels like it was just the other day. But here we are. We're not just at the end of the Christmas season, that 12-day period, but we're also at the end of the Epiphany season. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, Jake kind of ushered off our, our season of Epiphany with the first Sunday of Epiphany by saying that Epiphany is known for these kind of eureka moments in the life of Christ. So in the Incarnation, or in Christmas, we celebrate Jesus's birth. But throughout Epiphany, we kind of celebrate or, or commemorate all these kind of moments, these eureka moments, these showing forth of the glory of God in Jesus through these various episodes of His life. And here we are at the end. And interestingly enough, there's kind of a bookend of the season. It kind of it ends where it began. For if you remember back to the first Sunday after Epiphany. We have the baptism of Jesus. And what do we have? We have the voice of God the Father saying over Jesus, This is my Son, with whom I am well pleased. And if you noticed in our reading today, we have that same voice, but now at the transfiguration, saying the exact same thing. This is my Son, with whom I am well pleased. So do you see that the bookend of the season, the season of the showing forth of the glory of God, which began in his baptism, is here once again at his glory on the mountain, at the transfiguration. So in this reading, we are we are forced to look backward, to look backward to the baptism of Jesus, to what that means, to what these the showing forth of the glory of God in Jesus means. But also we're... We're shown to look forward. We're thrust forward, actually. We're thrust forward toward Lent and Holy Week. And if you're keeping track, Lent begins in just a couple days. Ash Wednesday is this Wednesday. And how do we know that we're thrust forward? Well, let's let's take a look at what happened here. Um, In the Transfiguration, Jesus is on the mountain he comes up with Peter uh, with his three disciples, Peter, James, and John, and then seemingly out of nowhere he is transfigured and the text says that his, his face shined, that his garments glowed um, and the disciples are just in awe um, and in fact, uh, we have our beloved Peter, who you know you can kind of fill in for most of us a lot of the time, but he's always kind of the first one to speak and then regret it. Uh, but he says, oh, Lord, this is, it's so good to be here. So good to be here. I mean, this is probably my internal reaction anyway, even if I didn't say it out loud. I'm not that much of an external processor. I don't know about you, but that would probably be it. But Peter, external processor, it just, it just comes out of him. And in the other gospel accounts, the, the narrator kind of interjects something like, Peter had no idea what he was saying, or Peter was being dumb here, essentially. But here in Matthew, the na- narrator doesn't say that. The narrator doesn't say that at all. In fact, what Peter says sounds like it makes sense on some level. Like, yeah, all right, well here, Jesus, who we've known is the Messiah, and we're trying to figure out more, here all of a sudden he's glowing. Like, okay, something really special here. And Peter knows his Old Testament. He knows about the Israelites in the wilderness. He knows about how the booths were essentially made in areas where there was like a divine encounter. Think of the tent of meeting in the wilderness. These are areas where the presence of God was especially present, and so Peter is just saying, essentially, let's 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 commemorate like this. Let's lock this in time. This is too good to pass up. But like the other gospel accounts, Matthew here kind of has his own way of saying Peter should have been quiet, or didn't know what he was talking about, or just blurted something out. Because here, the voice, that same voice that we heard at Jesus' baptism, comes in here. And it notes, if, you're, if you've got your text in front of you, that the voice interrupts Peter. It's as if the voice, or God the Father, is saying, Peter, like, chill out. Don't be in such a hurry to do something. Just listen. Receive this. And he proceeds to say those famous words, This is my beloved Son. With Him I am well pleased. And if you remember, we, we've talked a lot about that saying. We especially focus on it at Jesus' baptism because we believe the finished work of Christ means that because we have been made right with God, that when we are baptized, essentially that, that same voice is over us. This is my well-beloved daughter. With her, I am well pleased. You are my well-beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. And this becomes true for us because of what Jesus came to do. But if you're familiar with the Gospel of Matthew, you'll know that right before the episode of the Transfiguration, we have the encounter with Peter and Jesus. Once again, Peter, the quick one to speak. Peter says to him, or Jesus asks, Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, You're the Christ. He gets it right. But then Jesus goes and talks about what the Christ must do. The Christ's vocation to go to suffer and die, so that we humans might be made right with God. And Peter at this time just has no room in his paradigm for that. He rebukes Jesus, and this is that famous episode where Jesus calls one of his best friends Satan. And that sounds like, oh, he was like, wow! I thought Jesus was like a good guy and was perfect. He sounds like he's, he's saying, he's like essentially cursing at Peter in this episode. But what what Jesus means by that is. Peter is once again bringing forward one of the temptations of the devil in the wilderness to Jesus, to not go forward with his vocation, to not go to the cross. And Christ knows that if he does not go to the cross, then there's no way that you and I can internalize that voice, the message of that voice, that we are his well-beloved sons and daughters. With us, he is well-pleased. So that voice interrupts Peter on the mountain, and rightly so. It would be the same for you and me because you know how we have this image of angels as like babies on the clouds with their bow and arrows or whatever you have. But you look at the scriptures anytime an angel shows up or the presence of God is there, and everyone is terrified. They're terrified of their minds. So they, they hear this voice, Peter's interrupted, and immediately their faces are on the ground. They are in awe. And in this moment, Jesus goes right to them and says, get up. Better translation is actually to rise up. And a lot of theologians have done a lot of work with that. But rise up and do not be afraid. And when they look up, no longer is Moses or Elijah there, but Jesus alone. And this gets to the interesting part of the transfiguration narrative, because I didn't tell you the whole story. When the voice says, this is my son with whom I I am well pleased, he echoes the baptism account, the first Sunday of Epiphany, but he also adds these three words, listen to him. And right after saying, listen to him, Moses, the the representative of the law, Elijah, the representative of the prophets, vanish. And Jesus is there alone. And this is to show us that not only is Jesus a prophet like unto Moses, but he is in his own class. They are not on an equal playing field. Jesus is the one that the law and the prophets, the Old Testament, has been pointing to. And now that voice says, listen to him. And why is that important? What was the one thing that Peter couldn't listen to? Peter got it right that Jesus is the Messiah. Peter may have even been starting to figure out that Jesus is the Son of God, but Peter could not accept that Jesus' vocation was to go to suffer and die. But here that voice, the voice of God the Father, tells the disciples, and he's telling you and me, Jesus had to die. That this moment of glory on the mountain must always be with that moment of suffering on the other mountain. Here he is surrounded by Moses and Elijah. There on that mountain at Golgotha is the exact opposite. He's not surrounded by the all-stars of faith. He's surrounded by two thieves, the sinners. You don't get crucified for just anything. These are the worst of the worst. And our best theologians have said that the way to view these two episodes is to put them over top of each other. To see how similar they are. Jesus there, in one episode, glowing, surrounded by the saints, in another, suffering and dying, surrounded by the sinners. In the first episode, his disciples are there and they fall upon their faces. In the second episode, the women are there and they are grieving for their Lord. And this is why the transfiguration also necessarily thrusts us to the cross. To the place where the God-man reconciled you and me to himself. Where he made He made the atoning sacrifice so that you and I would be made right with him. So that God the Father can, because of Christ's work for us, look upon us and say to us, you are my well-beloved son, you are my beloved daughter, with you I am well-pleased. And the good news in all of this for you and me is that obvious news, that you and I are forgiven. Period. Whatever you're bringing here today, whatever you feel guilty about or you don't feel guilty about yet, you have been forgiven. That's been washed away. This is the news that is too good to be true, and yet it is. And connected to that news is that there will be a day when you and I, too, will be transfigured. When you and I, who are so prone to our sins, so prone to these things that originally kept us separated from God, that there will be a day when we will not be slaves to those anymore. Now, I don't know if you're into this kind of thing, but I've really gotten into these, these personality tests, and one of them's called uh, the Enneagram. If you're into the Myers-Briggs, forget it. The Enneagram is way better. Um, take my word for it. <laughs> but... In the enneagram, I'm a a number six. I don't know if you know what your number is, but, and I I love to focus on the positive sides of the number six. The number six is the loyalist. We're going to be there with you to the end. We're a good friend. But what I like to focus on less is the flip side of the six. And the flip side of the six is that we are just driven by fear. Fear is just like it's almost like an unconscious thing that pervades everything. And when I read that, I, I, it was one of those things where I immediately was like, that was, that's not me, that's not me. But whenever you do that, it's like, oh, it's definitely not me. That means it's you. <laughs> and um, so the good news in this, which of course is first and foremost the forgiveness of sins, that we are made right with God, but it, it's also that there will be a day when I will not be consumed by ever-present fear, when I will not operate in every single possible way out of fear, Anymore, And I don't know what it is for you. Maybe you are crippled by fear. Maybe uh, just crippling anxiety is ever-present with you. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's doubt, perpetual doubt. Fill in the blank. The good news of the transfiguration of this text is that you are forgiven. That you are a beloved son or daughter of God. But it's also... That there will be a day when you will no longer have fear run every part of your body. There will be a day when your crippling anxiety will no longer cripple. When your propensity toward anger will be done away with. When our just me focused, selfish, bent in on ourselves ways will be done away with. And isn't that good news? Isn't that freeing? Isn't that just a Chains being released from us, Saint Chrysostom wrote that, and i don 't know what to make of this, but I think it makes a lot of sense in light of this text. He wrote that Adam and Eve in the garden they they shined, kind of like Jesus shined in the transfiguration, and but when they fell, when they sinned, like you and I sin, and they were the, the relationship with God was breached, they lost that light. They lost it. But he said that because of the finished work of God in Jesus Christ, we will, when we go into the second Eden, when we go to be present with God, we'll have that light restored completely. And that is what I think, that's what I'm trying to say here, with why the good news, why the transfiguration is also good news in that light. That we will, as Matthew says earlier, we will also shine. And we'll even have moments in this life when we'll shine. When the inbreaking of the Holy Spirit, when that transfiguration is done in increments in this life. As we'll read in our collect, uh, it talks about us being changed from glory to glory. And if you notice, who's the, the subject of that sentence? That's God changing us from glory to glory, the the subject is not us changing ourselves, that is this inbreaking from on high this this work of the Holy Spirit to transfigure us, and that is my hope that in the midst of this life, I will have moments of transfiguration when I will not be all consumed by fear anymore. so brothers and sisters, the good news of the Transfiguration is first and foremost. That you are a well beloved son or daughter of God, and He is well pleased with you, but also that there will be a day when all of these chains which cripple us will be cast off, and that in transfiguring moments in this life, there will be an inbreaking of the Spirit to cast these things aside. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org/giving. Thank you.